Welcome to the LifeGate Podcast. Our vision is changing lives in a changing culture with the unchanging truth. Our prayer is that these weekly messages will inspire you to life change through the principles found in God's Word. For more information, visit us online at LifeGateBurleson.com. Well, I tell you what, I'm excited about this series that we started last week called Book of Prayers. So everybody say, Book of Prayers. We're going to get into that in just a minute. But before we do, let's just celebrate for just a second today. For the last few weeks, we have been challenging you to get on a life team. And we had a goal of 100 new life team members, people serving in the church. And I've got to tell you that as of right now, we have 111 brand new people joining a life team and serving. I'm telling you, that's pretty awesome and pretty exciting. And that's 111 now, but I know there are some of you that still haven't found a place to serve, and uh, we are preparing for just a few weeks from now to be moving into our brand new auditorium, and we need you to get plugged in and get involved. Thankful so much for those 111, but I still believe there are a few more. You can still go to your LifeGate app and sign up and get on a team. Help us get prepared for that, and let me just say this. All of our current volunteers, as well as our new volunteers that are going to be joining a team on March the 23rd. Everybody say March the 23rd. March the 23rd, we are going to be having a volunteer rally for all of our teams to come together. It'll be an opportunity for us to show you around the new building. Hopefully at that point it'll be done or almost done and we can figure out all the different things that we'll have to uh, we'll have to cover to be prepared for the new building. We'll rally together, do a little training, a little worship together. We'll have food together and just prepare for what God wants to do in the new season of our church as we move into a brand new facility. So you can go ahead and go on Facebook. Facebook to the Facebook uh, group there, or the, uh, the invitation there, and get signed up, or you can do that on your LifeGate app today, and come on, we're going to come together, God's got big things for our church, amen? Book of Prayers. We started this series last week called Book of Prayers. We've been talking about this idea of prayer, and here's what we learned last week. I think we kind of already knew it, is that prayer is hard. How many have discovered that to be true, right? I think like we all know that we should pray. We all know that it's important. I think we all really believe that God does hear and respond to our prayers. And yet like deep down inside, like it's, is hard. You know, we don't pray like we should because it's difficult. And I think sometimes maybe it's even because, you know, let's just be real. Like some of the prayers we pray are, are kind of weird. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm talking about? Like, I mean, just think of parents, you're, you're putting your kid to bed at night. You know, you're taking your four-year-old and you're going to put them in a dark room and close the door and expect them to sleep through the night. And you say your prayers and you pray something like this. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die <laughs> before I wake, come on. Right? I mean, you're fixing to put a four year old in a dark room and leave them there all night, and you're praying about death, right? I mean, no wonder they're back in bed with you. It's like, okay, you know, sweet dreams, sweetie, if you make it through the night, you know. I mean, right? Our prayers are they're weird sometimes. Like, we'll pray stuff like, like this, like, God bless this food to the, come on, you know what I'm talking about, to the nourishment of our bodies as I'm about to chow down on this double cheese bacon burger with my chili cheese fries and my extra large milkshake. God bless it to the nourishment of my body. I mean, that would be a bigger miracle than Jesus turning the water into wine, you know? 
Like I have a friend actually when he prays stuff like this, when he prays for his food, he'll even pray, you know, God take all the calories out. I don't think God answers that prayer. And you know, here's the deal is that prayer is, is oftentimes a little strange. Sometimes it's a little difficult. And today what we're going to do is we're going to, we're going to talk about a prayer that, that a man prayed that actually may be one of the hardest prayers of all of the prayers to pray. And the reason that it's so hard is because it requires us to kind of, to kind of look inside just a little bit. It requires us to humble ourselves in order to be able to pray this prayer. It's a prayer that was prayed by a guy named David. How many remember David in the Bible? Remember David? David, I mean, if you, if you're not familiar with his story, he was, he was just as a shepherd boy, God chose him to be the next king of his people in Israel. And God used him in huge ways. I mean, you probably all heard the story, David and Goliath and how God used him and God took him on this journey. It wasn't an easy journey. It was a difficult journey to becoming the king of Israel. And David was known for this one thing that David was a man after God's own heart, that David loved God with all of his heart, that through his life, he was a man filled with integrity, a man who was was an, an incredible worshiper, a man who loved God with all his heart. And yet in this prayer that we're going to study today, we find David having to pray one of the most difficult prayers that any of us would ever have to pray in our lives. In fact, this prayer that we're going to look at, you're going to see, would not not typically be a prayer that you would probably associate with a guy who was a man that was after God's own heart, but somehow David found himself in a place where he had to pray this very difficult prayer. In fact, we find it in Psalm 51 and verse number 10. If you've got your Bibles or your app or on the screen there in your notes, you can follow along. Let's read it together. Here's what David prayed. He prayed, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a loyal spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence and don't take your Holy Spirit from me, but restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. And then I will teach your ways to rebels and they will return to you. Now think about, here's a guy who is, who is known to be a man after God's own heart. And yet he finds himself in a circumstance where he has to pray this difficult prayer. God, purify my heart. God, restore my heart. God, somewhere along the way, my heart got out of alignment with you and I have to humble myself and ask you to restore me to that place. And what were the circumstances of this prayer that David had to pray. Well, if you know much about the story, you know that David was a great king and you know he was he was a great warrior and yet in the circumstances that led to this prayer, the Bible talks about that there was a time when kings should have been off to war and should have been leading their troops into battle, but at that time David decided he wanted to stay home. And he went up to the rooftop of his palace and on the rooftop, he, he looked out and he just happened to see a woman who was bathing. Her name was Bathsheba. Just don't tell me that God doesn't have a sense of humor. I mean, she's bathing. Her name is Bathsheba. And yet it's not really a very funny story because we see what happens with David. Is that David sees the woman, calls the woman to him, even though she's not his wife, they 
They, they sleep together. She becomes pregnant. Now David's got all kinds of trouble. He has to try to cover it up and, and try to hide it. And he tries all these things to try to kind of cover what he has done. And it leads eventually to having her husband murdered and taking her on as his wife. I mean, how in the world does a guy who was a man after God's own heart find himself in such a situation so far, his heart so far from God, even to the point where the worst part of it all is that he didn't even realize it. He went on with life just as normal until a trusted friend, a guy named Nathan, came to him and said, David, it's, it's you. Like, your heart is the heart that has gone away from God. And I wonder sometimes if, if we don't get in that same place sometimes that, that David did. I wonder if this is why maybe the, the wisdom writer in Proverbs writes this in Proverbs chapter 4, that, that above all else we have to guard our hearts because our hearts are the wellspring of life. It's where, where life truly comes from. And if we're not careful, if we don't guard our hearts carefully, what can happen is we can go from being people who love God with all of our hearts and, and to a place where our hearts have strayed so far from God and don't even realize it. That if we're not careful, like like at one point we could be fully committed followers of Jesus, serving his purposes with all of our hearts, but little at a time we can stray away and our hearts can, can be further and further away from God to the point where we're nowhere near where we were and the worst part of it all is we don't even know it. And I think, like, this might be my job sometimes as your pastor. It's not easy to preach messages like this. Just like it, it probably wasn't easy for Nathan to say what he said. But sometimes my job as a pastor is to kind of be the Nathan in your life. To just say, hey, maybe we ought to take an examination of our hearts. Like, where are our hearts? Are we as close to God as we once were? Or are there some areas of our hearts where maybe we need to pray this same prayer? God, create in me a clean, a new heart renew inside of me the the love that I once had for you and so today I want to talk about it for just a minute I want us to look at this prayer that David prayed and I want to see maybe just a few things that kind of may have led David's heart astray and then I want us to see what did David pray to get his heart back on the right track so let's look at it together and I want you to see four things if you're taking notes you can write these four things down the first one I see about David's heart is that his heart became a distracted heart everybody say distracted Distracted. And isn't this true that sometimes we can get a little distracted? In fact, I think we live in a world that is full of distractions. We are, we are addicted to distractions. In fact, one of them we carry around in our pocket all the time. It's a little phone like this, right? I mean, we, this is one of the biggest distractions I think that we have in life because, I mean, we walk around on our phone. We, we bump into stuff because we're walking around on our phone. Come on, have you ever done that before? We drive around on our phone and we crash into stuff because we're driving around uh, while we're looking at our phone. We even watch, this is so funny, we even watch TV while looking at our phones. How many do it? Come on, raise your hand. Be honest. You're in church. You can't lie in church, right? They call this the second screen phenomenon. It's like we used to, like when we would watch TV, you know, you just watch TV. But now it's like, no, I got to watch TV and be on a second screen. It's like I need a distraction from my distraction, you know? And we're so distracted. And it's not just our phones. It's like, it's everything. 
Like we're constantly looking for something to, to distract us from the main point. Maybe it's our hobby. Maybe it's our, maybe it's our sports. Maybe it's, maybe it's our fantasy football team. Or maybe it's our Pinterest account. Or maybe it's our Amazon, you know, and what we got in the, in the shopping cart. Come on, you know what I'm saying? And there's constantly all these things that are distracting us. And this is what happens with David. Like David got distracted from the main point. The main point of his life, the whole purpose of his life was to be the king, to be the leader, to be, to be out in front of the battlefield leading the men to victory. But David got distracted from what really mattered and he stayed home and his distraction led him to another distraction when he saw the woman who was bathing. And it was just this snowball effect of one distraction led to another distraction, led to another distraction, led to a place where his heart was not where it once was with God. And the truth is, is that a lot of us live this way. Like at one point, like our heart were, was fully focused and committed completely to God's purposes in our lives. But if we're not careful, we can allow our hearts to become distracted. And just a little bit at a time. It just kind of gets us off track just a little bit. And you, you know what James says about it? James said it like this. He said, a double-minded man is unstable. And all his, all his ways. You know what he's saying? He's saying you can't focus on more than one thing at a time. Like if you have your mind on two things, you know what's going to happen? Like if you have one foot over here and one foot over here, guess what's going to happen? You're constantly going to be shifted and constantly going to be swaying and you're not going to be stable and your heart is not going to be where it should be because you've got your mind, you've got it, it divided between so many things. In fact, let me just tell you something. Multi, multitasking is a myth. It is, because you cannot, like you weren't even created, your mind was not created in a way that you can focus on more than one thing at a time. You can only focus on one. Oh, I'm just doing it all. No, you're not. (laughs) In fact, one guy said like this, chase two rabbits, you're going to catch neither one. And a lot of people, this is their lives. Like they're they're so double-minded. Like I'm focused on God at church, but then the rest of the week I'm focused on all this other kind of stuff. And our hearts become distracted and eventually it leads us away. So if you're here and you're saying, man, that's me. My heart is in a place where it's distracted. What do we pray? Well, we pray what David prayed. Look what he says. After, after all of this mess, his heart had become so distracted, but he prays to God. And look what he says in verse 10. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a what? Everybody say this out loud. A loyal spirit within me. What is he saying? He's saying, hey, hey, bring me back to a place where my heart is loyal. Bring me back to a place where, where my heart is not distracted with all these things that, that are distracting my mind and my heart from you. Instead, lead me back to a place where I am focused. Lead me back to a place where my heart is undivided, where you are once again my first love and your purposes in my life are the only thing that really matter to me. And this is my prayer. This would be my prayer over us as a church that, that as, as we prepare for a new season that God is leading us into, that we would once again pray this prayer, God, restore my focus. God, help us to once again be focused on the things that matter the most in life and no longer be distracted by all these distractions in this world. David had a distracted heart. But then, notice the second thing that happened. David had a discontented heart. How many, how many know we live in a, in a culture that is, that is constantly pulling on us? In fact, the culture that we live in today, like, here's what it does. It creates this constant sense of discontentment. Because everywhere you go, 
you're being, you're, you know, you're being advertised to. And people are telling you, you need to buy my product. And in order to tell you that you need to buy their product, what they're doing is they're telling you that the product that you have is terrible. It's no good anymore. You need something new. Come on, you know what I'm saying? Every commercial, that's what it says. And so what does this lead to? Well, everything I got is not good enough anymore, you know? That two-year-old car that I was so excited about, but now it's two years old, and they've come up with something new, like there's a little button that you can push, and it will heat and cool your rear end. I mean, I have to have one of those, right? Mine's not good enough. My phone that, you know, when I bought it a year ago, like, like this thing that is so amazing, can, you know, it can connect with a satellite up, you know, thousands of miles up in the sky somewhere and, and GPS navigate me anywhere I want to go and I can call on it and talk on it and I can text on it. I can even video chat on it. I can watch TV on it. Come on, right? I can do all of this stuff, but you know what? That's last year's model and it only recognizes my thumbprint and not my face. And so it's no good anymore. I have to have a new one. Those clothes that I bought last year at this time are so 2018. I can't wear those no more. And if we're not careful, like this, this culture of discontentment can get in our hearts. And suddenly, you know, that job that I prayed for and I wanted so much now, that job is not good enough anymore. I need another job. Come on, right? And so then what does it lead to a bad attitude at work or whatever? You know, that church that I loved so much now, you know what, they're not quite good enough anymore because there's another church I saw them online and that's, and that's better. And my wife, who I loved so much, is no longer good enough anymore. So now I'm going to get online and start connecting with old girlfriends from, come on, on Facebook. And isn't this what happened with David? David was the king. He could have had anything he wanted. But the one thing he decided he wanted was the one thing that didn't belong to him. And where did it start? A heart that was discontent. And isn't this the nature of human beings? I mean, it's been that way since the very beginning. God told, he, he told Adam and Eve, like, you can have anything in the whole garden that you want, just not this one thing. What was the one thing that they wanted? The one thing they couldn't have. And isn't this the, the nature, like the one thing we want is the one thing that we can't have. And, and, and let, just write this down, all right? Let me give you some wisdom today. You ready? Write this down. The grass is always greener on the other side until you discover that it's only greener because it's planted on top of a sewer. <laughs> David thought, I want that. I'm discontent with what I have, all this stuff that I have. I want that. But where did it lead? It led to destruction. And so what did David have to pray? Well, look, look at the prayer that he prayed that restored him back to where he should be. Look what he says in verse 11. Created me a clean heart, O God. Re- renew a loyal spirit with, within me. And then look what he says. Do not banish me from your presence. David had to learn a lesson, and he had to learn it the, the hard way. But here was the lesson that the only thing that would really satisfy his soul was relationship with God, the presence of God. And so many of us were discontented with things and with situations and with people. And the reason we've become that way is because we've, we've expected those things to satisfy our souls. The reason you're frustrated with your boss, the reason you're frustrated with your spouse or with the people in your life, the reason you're frustrated with the situations or the circumstances and stuff in your life many times comes down to this, is that you have expected those people or those things or those circumstances to somehow satisfy something 
something deep down in your soul that cannot be satisfied by a person and cannot be satisfied by a circumstance and cannot be satisfied by a job or by a relationship or by anything except for the presence of God in your life. And so when your heart has become discontented, this is what you pray. You pray, God, restore to me, restore inside of me the peace and the and the contentment that only comes from relationship with you. David's heart became a distracted heart. It became a discontented heart. Number three, it, it became a discouraged heart. How many know that like we live in a world that's filled with a lot of disappointments? And sometimes even following Jesus can have some disappointments because I think we've all been there before where we did the right thing and it still didn't turn out the way we wanted it to. Where you were faithful and still had struggles. Come on, right? Have you ever done that before? Like I did everything I was supposed to do, all the stuff the preacher said and the Bible says, and I still went through that struggle. I still lost my job or my, my wife still filed for divorce or whatever it is. And it's easy to become discouraged in our hearts. I can imagine David must have felt this way. Because the Bible says he was a man after God's own heart. He was a man with, with purity and integrity and a love for God who always did the right thing, even honored the king, that, uh, king Saul. And where did he end up? He ended up being chased around by a crazy king, hiding in caves, just running for his life. He did the right thing and ended up in all this struggle. And I can imagine that after a while, some of the disappointments that, that David faced might have started adding up. I can imagine like after, you know, a lifetime of, of struggles and problems and difficulties that he faced, maybe he just decided, you know, I don't, I don't want to fight this battle no more. Maybe even the reason, I don't know for sure, but maybe the reason he stayed home when everybody else was off to war when kings should have been at war. Maybe it was because all of that stuff mounted up to a point where maybe he had become so discouraged that he just said, I don't have the strength to fight the battle today. And there might be some of you that that's you. You've done all the right things. And you still have struggles. And maybe you even find yourself where it's like, it's difficult to even get up out of bed in the morning because it's like, I just don't have the strength to fight another battle today. And if that's you, that's nothing to be ashamed of. We all have those moments and those times of, dis- of discouragement in our life. But here's what I just want to tell you is that when our hearts are discouraged like that, we are in a place where we are more susceptible to temptation than any other time. So we have to be aware. And if you have found yourself in a place where your heart is discouraged, what kind of prayer do you need to pray? Well, I think you need to pray what, what David prayed in verse number 12. Look what he prayed. He said, restore to me the what? Everybody say it. The joy of your salvation. David had gotten to a place where life had beaten him down to where he he no longer had the joy of the Lord in his heart. Like the things that once were the things that were once were the things that he loved were now the things that he despised. The things that once seemed like a blessing now were the things that want, that that have now become a burden. The things that that once were a privilege are now it's like they feel like a punishment. Come on, anybody ever been there before? Where the thing, the very thing that I prayed for and I dreamed about, when that thing started to come in my life, it became the thing that actually kept me up at night and I had nightmares about. And what's happened? I, I've lost my, lost my joy. Like, 
David, I mean, can you imagine when he was anointed to be king? Probably after that, he, he probably, as a boy out there taking care of the shepherd, or as a shepherd taking care of the sheep, probably had thoughts of, man, I can't wait, just can't wait to be king. You know, you remember that song? One of these days I'm going to be king, and then what happens, he's king. And now the thing he dreamed of is the thing he don't want to do anymore because he's discouraged. Can I tell you, I can relate. I've been there. I've been there even, even recently, you know. Like, as we've been building this, this new building, it's so exciting to see what's happening. But, man, it's challenging. There's been a lot of extra work. It's like having an extra part-time job. If you've ever built a house, you know what I'm talking about. Now multiply that just a little bit by several square feet and, and lots of money and all that kind of stuff. And so leading this whole thing of building this new building. And, and, and there have been days when I woke up and I was like, you know what? This was supposed to be fun. <laughs> And it's no longer fun. Like the thing that I prayed would happen and that I dreamed of one day being able to do is now the thing that I'm waking up and going, I don't have the strength to do it. I don't want to do it anymore. This is no fun. Come on, how many know what I'm saying? (laughs) And you know what? God had to deal with my heart the same way that he had to deal with David's heart. You know, every year we challenge the church to have a word for the year. Well, I also have a word for the year for my own personal life. And this year, God put this word on my heart. You know what the word was? Enjoy. You know what it basically means? Is enjoy what I've called you to do. Stop treating it like it's work and and realize that it's, it's the thing that I put inside of you. The dreams that I put inside of you are coming to pass. Stop acting like they're a burden. They are, they are a blessing. In fact, it gave me a verse of scripture that's been my scripture, and I've gone back to it time and time and time uh, uh, this year in, in uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 5, where he basically, he just, he says to, to enjoy one's work and to accept one's lot in life. This is a gift from God. And some of us, this is a prayer we need to pray. This is a prayer I'm praying over our church. God, restore us to that place where we're doing what you've asked us to do. is no longer a burden. Instead, it's a joy. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. See, David's heart had become distracted. It had become discontent. It had become discouraged. But then notice what happens when your heart gets distracted and you become discontented and you begin to get discouraged, guess where it leads to this last one? His heart came distant. He was so far away from God, didn't even know it. Somebody had to tell him. And you know what? If we're not careful, we can allow distractions to lead us away. We can allow discontentment in our heart to pull us away. We can allow the discouraging things and the disappointments of life to pull us away before we know it. Like once we were close to God, but now we're way over here and we don't even realize it. And here's what I've discovered, and I know it's so true in life, is that if you, if you become distant, if you follow at a distance, it's not very long until you're no longer following. Like, have you ever been on a, you know, where you're on a family trip or something like that, and you do a caravan, you know what I'm saying? It's like, hey, I'll follow you, and then you follow them. And you know, if you don't stay close to the person in front of you, or if, you know, they run through a red light or something, and you're stuck at the light, and they're going on, after a while, you can't see them anymore. 
And you can't follow because you can't see. And here's what happens sometimes if we allow our hearts to become distant before long. We can't, we can't, we're so far from God, we can't even see him anymore. And before long, we're not following him in the way that we should anymore. In fact, this is what happened to Peter. Remember the story of Peter? He told Jesus, he said, Jesus, I'll never deny you. I'll always follow you no matter what comes. Like, I'm going to be your man. And then just, a, you know, just a few hours later, he's denying that he even knew Jesus even at all. And look what, look what happens. The reason that this happened in Peter's life. Look what it says in Matthew 26 and verse 57. It says, those who had arrested Jesus took him to Caiaphas, the high priest, where the teachers of the law and the elders had assembled. But look at verse 58. But Peter followed how? At a distance. I'll stay back here. I'll let you go ahead. And before long, his heart was not where it should be with God. And I know this is not an easy message to preach. And you know what? As I prayed today, I prayed, Lord, let the message come across in a loving way. Because I'm not saying, hey, that our hearts are all screwed up and everybody's messed up. And I'm just saying, if we're not careful, we can get to a place. We just get distracted. At one point, we were really where we need to be with God. But we're, we're a little distracted by whatever in life. If we're not careful, we can get kind of discontent with things. And we can allow that to begin to begin to taint our relationships and begin to taint the way that we see the world and before long nothing's good enough for us and if we're not careful we can allow the battles that we fight to kind of cause us to get disappointed and discouraged and lose the joy and before long we become so distant we're no longer where we were with God in fact the Bible talks about this in the book of Revelation the the Revelation writer, he, he speaks to a church, a church in the city of Ephesus, and, and he talks about how, you know what, on the outside, you, you seem like everything's good, but there's something happening kind of down in your heart. And look what he says. He says, I know your, de- your deeds, and I know your hard work, and I know your perseverance, and I know that you can't tolerate wicked people, and that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not, and have found them false, and you have persevered, and you've endured hardship for my name, and you've not grown weary, and yet... I hold this one thing against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. In other words, he says, hey, I know you've done a lot of good things, but somewhere along the way you got distracted or you got discontent or you got discouraged or you became distant. And even though on the outside you're doing all the right stuff, something down in here might be saying, you're not where you once were with God. You're you have forsaken, you have lost your first love. And look what, look what John tells us to do. He says, this is what you need to do. You've you got to consider how far you've fallen. You repent and you do the things you did at first. Here's what he says. You pray the same type of prayer that David prayed. Restore the passion in me. That's what David prayed. David prayed, bring me back to a place where I have a spirit that is willing to obey. And I will then teach your word to others and others will come to where they need to be with you as well. Restore the passion that I had for you and for the purposes that you have in my life. And here's what he says. You just remember where you once were. Oh, man, I was once over here with God, but I've kind of drifted over here. I'm going to remember, and this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to repent, and I'm going to turn and go back to those things that I was doing that caused me to be in that place with God. Restore.
restore my heart, oh God. Restore inside of me a passion. Restore inside of me a a focus. Restore inside of me a desire for your presence. Restore inside of me a joy of salvation that you have given me to live. God, create in me a new heart. Renew a steadfast spirit in me. Bring me back to a place where I am loyal, completely focused, completely on you, that you are the joy of my heart and you are the passion of my life. 